Hi, this is Andrea Borcha. And I'm Charles Wilchin. This is Farsta. The Internet of Things podcast. This week on Far Stuff, we're talking about who is positioned to own the Internet of Things. And Very who exciting. Do we have on our list? Ooh, we have some of the major players: Apple, Samsung, and Google. It's going to be one of those, isn't it? It is. It is. We are looking at these three heavyweights, each a champion in their own right, in their own field, each making major plays in the Internet of Things as we can see them buying up other companies and developing and strategically leaking information. What? I mean, by the end of the podcast, we're going to tell everyone who to invest in, basically. Where, where, where you should put your money in so that you can actually afford college when your kids are grown. Oh, good idea. We're going to break it down into different areas for folks, at least the ones that we thought were the most interesting and the most crucial to setting up this ecosystem that will support this new Internet of Things. And some of those uh, classifications are tech. What's their tech look like? What areas do they have some interesting technologies in that will make a difference? We have customer reach. So uh, how extensive is their customer base and how accessible is their customer base so that they can quickly establish themselves as an Internet of Things player. We have the actual gadgets that they sell. Who has uh, gadgets in this space already? What does their product ecosystem look like as a whole? And how will that allow them to have an advantage or disadvantage in this new space? We also discuss the services that are necessary to support the proper proliferation of the Internet of Things. And finally, we bring it back to the definition, our core definition that we bring up quite a bit here. Does it connect? Does it compute? And does it communicate? And for new listeners, we decided to define the Internet of Things in episode one. And uh, those are the three qualifications. But let's touch on those real quick one more time. Uh, By connect, we mean connecting with the outside world via sensors or with the Internet, either directly or via proxies. And by proxies, you may have a device that talks to your phone and your phone in turn talks to stuff on the Internet. On compute, these are not general purpose computers, but of course, they must be able to uh, compute and analyze the stuff coming into sensors, etc. And by communicate, we mean both with people, but also with web services and each other. And so the Internet of Things is this ecosystem that results in a world where things compute, connect, and communicate. And let's see how our three big players fall in our spectrum. And we're going to give them a a score in the traditional sense of competitive play and, and see who plays out. Okay. Where should we start? Why don't we start with the computational power, the OS and the gadget sphere? So my uh, personal favorite in the game is Google and uh, Samsung. I'm kind of, I, I feel like there's a bit of overlap there since Samsung relies so heavily on uh, Google right now with all the Samsung phones using the Android platform. Although they did come out with their own OS, Samsung. Tizen. Yes. And that one is chugging along, I is guess. It? I, don't, I, I don't think it is. Well, they are paying developers to uh, build onto it. So it's probably not the best start. Yeah. Creating an OS wholesale is is tough and it's not a shame to be paying developers. But yeah, it, it means that there's no real momentum there. I just think that they 
felt that they had to do something. I mean, when they're really looking at the landscape ahead in the gadget sphere of things, I mean, they are heads and tails above Google and Apple. They have. Oh, really? You think? So many things. They have the TVs and the appliances and the fridge and the phone and they have their wearables. And I mean, they just they just completely dominate, I think, that realm. And they did have to rely on other companies to support the operating system. Samsung, to me, is sort of like Compaq was to Microsoft. They really depend on Google for the OS. And there's been some tension there. Well, sure, because they have not been making the profit that one would expect with the amount of reach they have. They have over 50% of the Android market is made by Samsung. And from the deal they originally worked out with Google, they're not getting paid very much Hmm. for for that. So I think that's where the push really came to have their own OS so that they won't have to rely necessarily on anybody else for that. Yeah, I mean, it's common knowledge that Google is open source, but the closer you look, the more you find out that it's actually not. Like there's a part of Android that is open source, but the important part, like the part with the interesting stuff like the Google Play Store, uh, YouTube Play, those are not open source at all. And so to your point, they pay for all of that. And so at best, you could call Android open source. <laughs> I like that phrase. That's that's a good one. You know, it's particularly interesting because with Google's very recent, very dramatic purchase of Nest for $3.2 billion, a lot of the conversation has actually been around whether or not Google... And Nest now will be tracking you. There's a lot of concern over privacy. It's mm. it's very, you know, it seems to be an, an agreed upon understanding that Google collects an exorbitant amount of information about its users. Yeah. And now that it's moving into the Internet of Things, will it be collecting your preferred temperature? And as it connects into the other Internet of Things in your home and in your life, like your car, Will it now collect every little bit of information about you beyond the point that we're comfortable with? Do you think you should take points off for that? Or do you think that's going to be the norm? It's a good question. I think you're just trying to edge for Apple, really. (laughs) Hey, if you think (laughs) Apple isn't collecting every micron of data that they can on you, then that's probably incorrect. Yeah, I think they all are. But I, I know that the Nest purchase really somehow ignited quite a bit of conversations about privacy. I think the second Google started moving away from the phone and made a, a very clear play towards yeah. Internet of Things, people started getting a little bit more nervous. And you can see that the buzz on the Internet has expanded quite a bit on where privacy fits in the Internet of Things. No, I'm not exactly sure why people are worried about that specifically, but... I think people just... I, I think it's the same thing as Mark Zuckerberg's freak out on the stage when they started messing with the privacy policy back in the day. So what do you think? Zero points for everybody? Aw. privacy? Well, it's not negative. Yes. I think everyone... Okay. Do, we'll just skip through privacy. Okay. So for the, for the operating system... Uh-huh. Uh, Tizen, we're going to give a, a very complimentary one because it's their their first real iteration out there in, one the, point. in the OS sphere and, and they're trying. Boy, they, they really do want to get away from Android. It's going to be interesting to see if they can. The first Samsung Galaxy Gear watch was Android based, but that apparently did not go very well because the Gear 2 is Tizen based. 
but the reviews have not been super kind. Yeah, the the new gear looks pretty cool though, and it's kind of funny because it actually looks quite a bit like the iWatch images mm. that were leaked. Yes. So I find that a little interesting. Uh, you know, we're, I guess we'll go for another round of Samsung Apple lawsuits. Yeah. A lot of the images of smartwatches that I see are really reminiscent of like, do you remember the iPod Nano 6th generation, the little tiny square? Oh, but the new, uh, yeah, but the new Samsung and iWatch that came out are more uh, longer. Oh, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're more. That's nice. Yeah, they go. The the first ones were more like the Nano. They look like, like the basis looks like that. It's very clunky and I don't think it works as well, but these more streamlined. And I think when they're off, you're not even supposed to know that there's a screen there and it's Uh very sleek and sexy. So on the OS, we have Apple versus Google now and point systems there. And I feel like this is one of the ultimate battles that goes on forever. You can walk into any shopping mall in America and ask people, do you like your Apple or would you prefer Android? And you will get a battle to the death. Yeah. And people tend not to realize that Google actually has a bunch of OSs and Apple's OS story is pretty clean. The Apple OS story is they have iOS and they have Mac OS 10. But those are based off the same quote unquote Darwin kernel. So they're they're really sharing a lot of engineering work. I mean, it's one of the reasons that Apple can be relatively lean. On the Google side, though, they have a ton of OSs. So they have Android, of course. They have Chrome OS, which is the basis for their inexpensive laptops. They have Android Wear now as well. So Android Wear is a spin-off of Android, which is way too large to run well on very compact Internet of Things devices. And so they have this new OS, Android Wear. And so they have these three different OSs. They're they're really, as far as I can tell, um, very different from each other. And in fact, they seem to be kind of uh, built by different teams and there's not a lot of uh, interaction there. So, boy, my tendency would be to score them lower in that respect. But that you they may have disagree. More? Well, they, they have more and they're not as integrated. Now, if I can play devil's advocate with myself. <laughs> they, Go for it. You don't even need me here. <laughs> no, I do. I need you to give me dirty looks. They do have services like Google now, which do run across those things. So that's, they can help unify themselves. And they are more open source. And because we are revolutionaries in the technology sphere, we absolutely support open source. (laughs) We are, huh? I think so. Okay. I think we all are. Sure. So, so in my mind, actually, them having more options would be better because I think it gives them more flexibility as the Internet of Things grows to adapt to whatever comes up and be able to put something in where it needs to go. Okay, that seems that seems reasonable. All right. So we're going to give Apple 10 points and sure. Google 15. Yeah. And all our scores are going to be posted on our blog at farstuff.com. I'm not sure if they'll stand up to scrutiny like that. No, I don't think they'll stand up to scrutiny at all. Okay. But we're having a fun ride as we go through these companies. Okay. On the gadget side, though, can we move on to gadgets? Sure. Okay. On the gadget side, I once again want to hail Samsung. They, in the last probably six months, have been hitting up all the major conferences, posting some pretty interesting Internet of Things demonstrations of what a Samsung smart home would look like Mm. and what your Samsung IoT life would look like. And it looks pretty cool. I think Apple and Google are still trying to edge into that Mm -hmm. space slowly but surely. But I have to give Samsung credit for just blatantly going out there and, and claiming that space and and really setting expectations for how cool the Internet of Things could actually be. Another way of looking at that might be, though... Hype? Well, and they're, they're just throwing tons of shit at the wall to see what sticks. But it's cool looking. 
So it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. No, you've convinced me. No, um, I don't think a I lot of it. A lot of it is cool looking. I think. And that's not a terrible strategy. I'm not no. critiquing it. I think more along the points is as we get into the realm of customer reach, Mm -hmm. that is one of our topics that we'll be talking about on our scorecard. Samsung has an impressive array of hardware. Uh, of things that will be part of the Internet of Things. And as you mentioned, they play in a lot of areas that Google and Apple never will, like right. washing machines. Absolutely. So yeah, you could you could potentially see a, like a holistic Samsung house that would be very well integrated way before Apple and Google can kind of get the third party support to do that themselves. I think from a, if you were looking purely at the array of gadgets that each of these three companies have, I think Samsung blows the other two away. That being said, most likely what will happen is you'll have a house full of Samsung products that are all running Android, but <laughs> the, yeah. the gadget side of things. I'm sorry. After you said the house full of Samsung products, I just had this horrible, horrible chill no. run through my body. I love my Samsung TV. <laughs> okay. I know what you're talking about. I do. Yeah, your TV is wonderful. My TV is pretty awesome. Yeah. Samsung does that well. So as far as product portfolio. Yes. We're saying Samsung has a pretty wide and deep product portfolio that they could potentially mobilize and, and really make a lot of progress in the Internet of Things quickly. They could. I, I, think, I think they have that going for okay. them. Okay. Apple is coming up with some pretty impressive gadgets that are slowly getting leaked, basically, right? (laughs) I don't think anything that Apple, I don't think any of the IoT Apple is out except for Apple TV, right? No, there is one thing I want to mention that's kind of funny. The unofficial Apple weblog or TWOW. It's, I don't, they go by their acronym. Compared, so spell it out. compared the iPod Nano from 2010 in a watch band to the Samsung Galaxy Gear and called the, the Nano a better, cheaper smartwatch because of its more complete functionality. So the funny thing is, you know, how much of that was actually intended by Apple from their 2010 product? I, and the answer is, I have no idea, of course, but it's kind of funny. I, I look at that iPod Nano 6th gen and I believe it will be looked at like that was Newton compared to the iPhone. That will be the IoT thing. It's like, oh, this is like a Nano 6th generation after they, you know, saw how people were using it and then spent years and years working on their first real native IoT product. I could see that. No, I think it's good. I think that's true. Um, Apple has definitely put in a lot of time to their gadgets, but their gadgets, while having a lot of functionality within the scope of what they are, don't quite completely overtake the realm of things outside of your phone, a music player, your oh, watch. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Uh, so yeah, they're they're not going to make a washing machine. No. And I, I, have, I don't think they need to, um, but they, if they want to be part of the Internet of Things, their other avenue would be to build something that can then attach to all your things and control it in that way. Or, you know, any interoperability will also solve the problem. But what you're talking about is sort of their Apple TV strategy, whereas mm-hmm. Samsung makes the TV, Apple's like, I don't want to get in that business. Let's do this Apple TV thing. And uh, that seems to be doing really well. Like it's a great product and, and they're apparently going to come out with a, a nifty new model very soon. And then for the rest of the stuff, if they're using and helping to define the standards for things to talk to other things, they don't necessarily need to own that whole product ecosystem. Their strategy versus Samsung's will probably be very different in that respect, I'm guessing. Definitely. And then you look at Google's strategy. Oh, so they they own Motorola, who just introduced the Moto 360. I have to call it what the cool kids call it, the Moto 360 smartwatch. Yes. Yes. And it's beautiful. 
it's it's really good looking. And that does use the brand new Android Wear OS. And Google's recent purchase of Nest, the smart thermostat that has been sweeping the nation. Yeah. Very exciting. Uh, $3.2 billion for Nest. Uh, so Google is taking a different approach a bit. They're not quite in the realm where they want to build the washing machines that Samsung builds. But they're perfectly comfortable buying all the companies that then build the smart things that would then connect into it and putting them all into one realm. My, my guess is that the OS is going to be their strongest strategy as they continue to purchase companies and devices and connect in so that you will have an entirely Android powered house. Yeah, they will be the Microsoft of the Internet of Things, which... Well, Microsoft did get its tentacles out there, didn't it? Oh, for sure. And and again, that's not a slam. It, it sounds bad in retrospect because of where Microsoft is now. But uh, Microsoft was an amazing powerhouse. And I have no uh, doubt that, that Google can do the same thing. Whereas Apple really at its heart is a consumer electronics company. And Google at its heart is really a technology company. That just wants to take over the world. Yeah, that wants to get its technology into everything. and Absolutely. And monetize that with advertising because they... That's where they make their money. So on the gadget realm, uh, I think we're going to give Samsung a 20. And uh, we'll give Apple slightly less, but not nothing. Sure. Let's give them 15. To shake a fist at. Come on. And then uh, Google, we, they're still up and coming. They're, they're not quite in the realm of having a lot of gadgetry that is solely theirs. Yeah, I don't think people are going to go into stores buying necessarily Google-branded consumer electronics as a rule. But if they can keep the Nest brand healthy and grow it, if they can keep them, you know, help revive the Motorola brand, there's a chance. So let's give them... Seven. Great. That sounds good. Okay. All right. So what's our next topic? Let's talk about the other supporting part of this, the stuff that runs uh, in the cloud and helps connect these things. Let's talk about web services. Sure. Let's start with the elephant in the room. Google clearly dominates in this space. Absolutely. Apple's web services have been uh, charitably, we'll say, hit or miss. Sure. Anyone that has been desperate to use the navigation that comes on their yeah, iPhone Maps. without without downloading Google Maps yeah. gets you a bit stuck sometimes. Yeah. It's so much better now. And they're fixing that. But, but you're right. Uh, Tim Cook has admitted that it was a disaster. And so at least he was forthright enough about it to keep my respect for him. But yeah, they're, they're trying to fix that fast. But yeah, nothing beats Google Maps. It's no. just amazing. Google has some very impressive development. There's some of their services are just phenomenal and they, they continue to push the envelope. I think that their innovation strategy within Google has really done some amazing things to encourage bright, bright engineers to come up with some pretty amazing services that I think could actually fit in really well with the Internet of Things and gathering the right data and giving it back to you as a user in an intelligent way to really enhance your interaction with the things around you. Yeah, I mean, this is what they do. Uh, they not only have the services themselves, but they have the platforms on which they've built the services. Services that can handle unprecedented big data scenarios and analysis. Can we just give them a, a bajillion points? Ooh, a bajillion. I feel like that'll completely skew okay, our scale. Okay, well, we'll hold off. We'll, we'll keep thinking about that. Well, let's see who else is in this field. I, I think we're going to just completely skip over Samsung. Yeah, I mean, Samsung does have web services. They, they introduced a music service at South by Southwest. They were making a lot of noise about it. Yeah. 
But yeah, you're right. I just don't feel like it's in their DNA. I don't feel like it's what they do. Yeah. At least with Apple, half of its genius is the design and the hardware. And the other half is the software, like the OS. And the services part right now is fairly weak. Maps, I've, I've used it recently, and it was just fine. Like, the only reason Apple Maps doesn't seem like a miracle is because Google Maps is just amazing. Oh, it's phenomenal. So, Absolutely. So they're not doing terrible. Apple is not doing terrible. I think we should pat them on the head and give them good words of encouragement and say, carry on, Apple. You're doing just fine. Doing just fine. Are we uh, going to discuss the whole Siri UX thing in the services realm? I think we need to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's such a huge part of the customer experience. Yeah. And yeah, it's hard as it's a service and part of it obviously runs locally. Part of it runs remotely in the cloud, which is kind of an interesting part of all these services. Right. While they may have stumbled a bit with Apple Maps, I think the one place that we can all agree that they've soared is with Siri. Siri that everybody knows, I think that actually gets them points probably both on customer reach and services because people well know Siri. They've formed relationships with Siri. Yeah, it's it's the butt of a lot of jokes. And I'm I'm not as in love with Siri as you are, which is ironic because I have the iOS phone. And I have the Android phone. So, but you are in love with Siri. Well, I really appreciate their effort to make Siri more fun and mm-hmm. conversational. When I uh, talk to my Google phone, don't get me wrong, I get the right response. And, and for the most part, it supports the conversation. Uh-huh. But, but it's really just, it doesn't have that quirky personality that Siri has. And what's funny is you even have Samsung trying to get in the game now, trying to develop out their Sammy. Uh, they yeah. inherited the former Apple software engineer. Inherited? Well, former director of Siri. Uh, I, I'm sure they lured him over. Yeah, lured. Okay. Um, and now Samsung is developing inherited their makes Sammy. makes it sound like he was put out in the alley. That's not what inherited up. means. Well, it's like, oh, I inherited this doily from grandma. Oh. So, no, he was lured over because he he's, he's an amazing person and he created this amazing service and Samsung was like, we got to get us some of that. That's true because Samsung wants to stop relying so heavily on the behemoth OSs of these other two players. Now, I heard a rumor that Sammy will actually speak in the voice of Sammy Davis Jr. I did not hear that rumor. Is that rumor. correct? I did not hear that. That may be a rumor. That'd be interesting. I think then we go back to... Where do you want to go, babe? <laughs> I figure that that goes back to the, the requirement you had in uh, one of our previous oh. podcasts where as long as your phone is Scarlett Johansson's voice, everything yes. is okay. Yes, that's a, standing, that's a standing rule, an opinion I will have. Got it. So I think Siri carries Apple to a positive 10 points. You're right, Respectable. Though, you're right, though, that, that Siri, regardless of the faults she might have, <laughs> Apple does focus a lot on the experience going beyond whether the conversation is successful into how like delighted you are by talking with her. Which encourages you to interact with her more, which encourages the learning system to learn more about you, which I think is one of the main components of the Internet of Things. And to your point about expectations and how she has met yours and maybe failed mine, I wonder if part of it is that when people have a good experience, that their expectations might be just set too high compared to what the technology is capable of. I think the fact that Siri can be conversational and fun can mask any shortcomings she has mm. as, a, as a technology, because sometimes we are easily distracted by shiny objects, and I will be the first to admit that. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really important service because it touches on the communication part of the definition of the Internet of Things. 
Um, there's all this other stuff, though. There's the fact that Google has uh, this amazing platform for other developers. So if I'm developing an IoT device and I want to create a backend service, I can build an amazing service on Google's developer stack that runs in the cloud with no upfront expense. I can just start developing and deploying this and it will scale to millions and potentially billions of devices. So that's something that Google provides that Apple can't even approach, that Samsung can't approach. Amazon would be the only other real competitor in that space. And that's pretty impressive because I think we never really know where the next IoT innovation is going to come from. And so if it comes from some random person in some random place, them building on Google allows them to leverage the network and the power of Google. Yeah, you can effectively live inside of Google. Your your service can live at Google and uh, take advantage of all their infrastructure, which is priceless. To our point system, uh, let's give Google a nice little 25. Apple still has 10. And Samsung, we're throwing you a zero. Zero. Sorry. But, you know, you've got great TVs. So, well, and, you know, a good caveat is that the strategy for all these companies is very different. And in fact, Samsung may not know or care that they don't have a strong services side. I think that takes us into our next topic, customer reach, uh, as these services tend to attract a lot of customers. But in this sumo wrestling match of Internet of Things with our three major players, how many of them actually have access to these customers and can leverage them as they develop new and impressive entities in the Internet of Things? As we're seeing all these startups come out in this IoT realm, we're starting to see that the ones that end up being the most successful are probably the ones that end up grabbing the biggest market share as quickly as possible. Kickstarter did some amazing things for Nest, but really, if you've got a good enough customer reach, especially when people are still trying to define what the universal language will be across things, your customer reach can can be a really big leverage point. I think it really is important to how well they're positioned for the Internet of Things, because if you don't have a pre-existing customer relationship, reach is one thing, but but really relationship really encompasses the advantage of people that have a, a direct contact with the customer. Because if you have that relationship, you can leverage that relationship to introduce new products or complementary products that help take their experience with your company and make it even deeper And so for a company to have those kinds of relationships on a large scale will be a huge carrot for existing customers. And if you don't have those relationships, then you might have a carrot with nobody to give it to. And maybe this is someplace where we give Samsung a little bit more credit than we did with the services because they do have their smart TVs that ends up becoming their own platform where they connect with customers to a point. And you have one of these, right? I do. And I could see where your Samsung smart TV could be your smart home hub mm. as your Internet of Things, because uh, it's it's all essentially app based. You have your Picasa and your Netflix and your Hulu and your uh, your Pandora all up on your Samsung TV. You just pull up what you need. And uh, I could definitely see it having one that has connects to my Nest or connects to you know my smart washing machine yeah. or, or my car and let me know if my car is fully charged, if I have an electric vehicle. So I could definitely see there where it kind of leverages a lot of the work other people already have done mm-hmm. and becomes your smart Internet of Things hub. So I would definitely give it a little bit of credit there. Yeah, let's give them some credit. Have you ever purchased stuff through your Samsung TV? Uh, entertainment. Do they have your credit card number? 
you purchase entertainment through another service. Gotcha. So I don't directly buy through Samsung. Got I would it. go into Amazon and buy from there. Or another one of these services. I think Voodoo is another one that yeah. popped up there. I feel like that's a crucial difference. Samsung is, they're sort of the doormat that you use when you walk through the store, but the store is Amazon's because Amazon is the one with your credit card number. I feel like that's an important distinction. Here's some like freaky numbers. So customers spent uh, $10 billion in the App Store alone in 2013, which is a lot. Uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> they have half a billion customer accounts. And they add 500,000 accounts per day. That's data as of mid-2013. So these are people that can pay by entering a password or by just swiping their finger over their touch ID and their sensor on their phone. Is that not incredible? It's, it's a pretty impressive base. Samsung is interesting, though, because I think they have access to the one place that, especially in America, people tend to spend a lot of time sitting on their couch in front of the TV. So there's nothing to really stop them once you've Wi-Fi connected your TV for them pushing out other things. So for example, they've demonstrated in the past a Wi-Fi fridge and a Navibot vacuum cleaner, a washing machine, an air conditioner, all being controlled through your Samsung tablet or through your TV, or it's, it's all this entire smart control system. Right. So even though they don't have access to your credit card numbers... The fact that they have access to that many eyeballs could be a pretty interesting place for them yeah. to kind of push things. At the end of the day, they have control over that screen that you see on your Samsung TV. So there's nothing to stop them, from my understanding, of being able to push notifications to you or push, hey, why don't you buy our new smart thermostat and we'll have it automatically connected to your Samsung tablet and your TV and everything will work perfectly well together. There's nothing to, to stop them from creating that relationship. Do you know what would happen the first time my Samsung TV did that to me? My Samsung TV would be in the street. Oh my gosh. When my Panasonic Viera TV, when I first purchased it, it did something like that. Did and, it? And I was apoplectic. I was like, I just spent how many thousands of dollars on this TV and you're going to show me a banner ad? No. So luckily you could turn it off. But if I couldn't have, it would have gone back because somebody thought it was a good idea to show me a, a banner ad. Yeah, I, I probably the banner ads, probably not the best way to go. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you, you make a great point that Samsung is touching a lot of people directly, but Boy, if they don't have the ability to take your money, that seems uh, short-sighted. I hate to be such a capitalist, but, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting difference in philosophy. It is, because I think that even though Apple and Google can each take your money, and they, they certainly do a very good job of that, yeah. I think there's something to be said about their need for access to eyeballs and Samsung can give them that. They could hypothetically. So the question is, can they meet the challenge and can they turn that reach into what I would call a relationship, which basically means Apple has my credit card. So we're in a relationship that way. And and it is interesting. I, I think you, when we were discussing this another time, I think you mentioned that Apple kind of thought this through and decided, how about we just make an Apple TV? So it doesn't matter what TV you have. You just put this box next to it and then we control your eyeballs. Yeah. And there is a little bit of, you know, it's, it is easier for someone to get up and running with a Samsung TV. Some people find the concept of buying an HDMI cable and connecting it to your TV daunting. 
which is still hard to believe. But for all those people, the Samsung TV is sort of got them as a as a captive fan. Yeah. And Samsung has phones, it has tablets, it has TVs. Those are all viable screens. Yes. And if you're a Samsung fan, you have plenty of gadgets to buy. Where um, Google, they even have an outpost on Samsung too. So their phones are using the Google Play Store. Google owns the customer relationship, even though it's a Samsung phone. Which is one of the main motivations behind starting to develop out Tizen. I would think so. I mean, yeah, they've got to be a little bit upset about that, a little bit bitter that they've helped make Android the success it is today. And yet they're still effectively powerless. You know, you could replace Samsung with another vendor tomorrow and nobody would care. Whereas with Apple, that is the heart and soul of your device. That is your, you know, your relationship, your iTunes library. I mean... 64% of online music in 2012 was all iTunes. Yeah, I'm not surprised. So so people have their musical lives, their cinema lives invested in Apple. So those guys are locked in forever. There's none of that lock-in for Samsung. So should we uh, dole out some points here? Sure. All right. So we'll give Apple 20. Yeah. We'll, We'll give you your credit card connection point as the lead Apple loves me and they love my card. Aww. Uh, Google, we'll, we'll throw them 10. Yeah, the Google Play Store, certainly. I mean, if you have your entire Android app collection and it's associated with your Google ID, yeah, that's your virtual identity. Samsung, I think we should give them a little bit more than that. We'll give them an eight. Boy, you are very kind. I, I am. If Google's a 10, I would, uh, would not give them anywhere uh, near an eight. A, a three? Two? Three. I'll go with three. All right. We'll give Samsung a three. Okay. I, I, you know, it's, it's tough because I do have some brand loyalty to Samsung. I can tell. I do. And that's, uh, I respect for that. Not, not so much a fan of the phone I have, to be honest, which is a Samsung, but a big fan of their TV. That is and a their real, other appliances. That is a real downside of having such a huge product portfolio is you have different product groups and they are differently interested in levels of quality. It's true. Apple has such a tight small product line that they can really obsess over everything. And the same kinds of people can touch everything, can oversee personally the user experience of every device and how it relates to each other. But at Samsung, you, I'm sure that you don't have that luxury. And I think that's reflected in the different experiences people have with different products. It actually brings me to a story about Sony, not so much Samsung, but Sony has that same problem where they had different divisions of the company that were kind of siloed off. And I'm sure it's the same thing at Samsung since they have such a wide breadth of products. Yeah. And uh, one of the discussion points that I heard at a conference was, why did Apple get the opportunity to take over the music market when Sony had the Walkman? I mean, they owned the music market, the, the portable music market. And they also had all the music rights. And they, I mean, they had so many components that if they had just put them together, Apple never would have standed a chance. They just would never have been able to get iTunes off the ground. But because Sony was so siloed in its different parts, Apple just took that opportunity and ran with it. And I would guess that other major companies with a wide breadth of products have that same issue. The glory of Apple is they know how to say no. You know, I don't, I don't know that at Samsung, they necessarily have that opportunity. You know, they have to make their numbers for the quarter. There's a new product opportunity. Great. Let's do it. We could do this. We have the stuff. We know how to make this. It feels like they don't think about the strategy two steps ahead like Apple does. Yeah, Apple definitely has taken a good leveraging point from that. So back to our our definition of the Internet of Things. How do these three companies stand when they connect, compute and communicate? 
I think they all certainly have products that fulfill those parts of the definitions, but it's all different products and it's really, uh, it really varies. So for example, if you look at Apple and Samsung, they're really interested in the thing much more than Google. And because they're interested in the thing, they take the stance of, hey, we need to actually make custom chips for our things to make those things the best they can be. And Google, because they're so much more focused on the cloud, on the OS, and not necessarily the device, except through folks like Nest and people like Motorola, that they don't really have that concern. So long term, when you're looking at the future of the Internet of Things, which do you think would be a more leverageable asset? Would it be having proprietary chips embedded within each of these things or the ability for each of these things to talk to a cloud and have their computations happen up in the cloud? That's going to be a crucial part of both. And Apple's relative weakness in services compared to Google is going to be um, something that has to get addressed. But I don't necessarily think that Google is going to have a problem just because they're not focused on chips, because they're not as concerned with being a consumer brand and selling Google brand devices. But I think that Motorola, if they're to be successful, is going to have to take steps to own more and more of their of their infrastructure and have control over that than sort of just taking off the shelf generic parts. So it'll be interesting to see how um, Google and its hardware arms start to compete against Apple in that respect. Yeah, I think one of the core questions behind that is whether or not we see a lot of the things needing to compute internally, needing to be their own individual thing and just communicate their computations mm -hmm. to other things, or if we're expecting the computations that things need to do to be so complex that it can't feasibly be housed within the thing itself. I don't think they'll ever be 100% kind of internal We've been kind of uh, talking about this idea of a uh, hybrid computing. And I think that's going to be the rule and not the exception where things will not necessarily be constrained compute wise just within what their CPU can do that's on the device. And so Google will have a strength anytime devices are connected because they can leverage their enormous cloud computing infrastructure for that. Whereas Apple, I think of them as real strong for scenarios where the computation is done mostly on device. But it feels like whenever they need to leverage the cloud, they just don't have very interesting solutions in that area yet. You know, so yeah. it, it's it's an interesting balance. They really just have different philosophies on how to put the pieces of this IoT ecosystem together. But I like that all three have very clearly tried to stake a claim in the IoT area. They, they all have their innovation centers and they, yeah. they're all promoting that. Uh, you know, there's always interesting gossip about things, Apple's iBeacon and, and so forth. Yeah, iBeacon's really interesting. And that is kind of leveraging a standard and putting an Apple twist on it in terms of marketing communication. And Apple does that quite a bit. The uh, CarPlay stuff is also very interesting because Apple can't make everything you know, they're working very closely with car manufacturers and, and people making car infrastructure computing pieces like QNX with their OS to support CarPlay in, in all these devices. And so I think CarPlay is really representative of how you'll see Apple spreading its tentacles into this sort of wide area of things where they're not going to make products directly, but they want to have influence. They want people with Apple products to have good experiences with those devices so they'll work with those competitors to implement the communication and interoperability pieces, even though they're not doing products there themselves. It seems, though, that a lot of the car companies haven't locked themselves solely into Apple, as a lot of them are also boasting Google. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Google has a similar philosophy for the uh, on the Android side, where the cars will work with the devices, but they won't necessarily have a proprietary allegiance to them, if that makes sense. Well, I don't think that the car companies want to get in the middle of the Apple-Google battle that rages on in the cell phone market. I think if you want to own a Toyota or a Ford, that they're not going to want to say that only iPhone users should own a Ford, because I think that would really complicate how they promote their products. It'd be awful. And like you talk about upgrade cycles for cars versus gadgets. Oh, no way. Oh, that would never you know, happen. Yeah, and, and they could the, not do that. The car software is so bad in the sense that they're really, uh, it feels like at least a decade behind in how to provide uh, regular, reliable updates for customers that you'd really hate for there to be um, some sort of issue with using your phone with your car that depends on the car manufacturer. You really want the car to do as little as possible. And I think that's what Apple and Google are going for, where the phone is really providing the computational power and the connectivity. And when the UI is presented to the user in their car, it's actually more of an airplay kind of scenario where some UI is being mirrored from the phone to the car. Uh, Any controls in the car are being sent back to the device using standards so that, you know, it can work with all kinds of cars. And that's perfect because it's very... It takes very little computational power in the car. It's very much a no-brainer because you can always upgrade your phone and upgrade the experience in your car without upgrading your car itself. That, that to me, is the perfect way to do it. And maybe it's actually a interesting marketing ploy into the Internet of Things because if people start associating whatever phone they have with the car that they use, that the interface is the same and they can talk to each other, People, I think, start getting more comfortable that this interface that I'm used to dealing with on my phone now fits with my car, now fits with my appliances, now fits with my medical services. And that's kind of a very interesting way to stake your claim as we are the company that will be the Internet of Things. That's a good point. If I'm using the Apple UI in my car and suddenly I have to get out of that and use, for example, the native UI that the car manufacturer provided, it's going to look absolutely stupid in comparison. And so you can imagine over time that the car manufacturers will actually stop doing their own thing, just making apps that run on the phone so that you can retain that iOS or Android experience even for normal car operations like operation of the radio. Well, if you look at the Tesla, it's basically a giant computer screen right there in the middle that could lead way for any type of OS system at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about time for the final scores. I think it is. Samsung, in the end, comes out with 24 points. It does. 24 points. And that leaves us with the two behemoths. With a near tie. Apple and Google. Apple. Coming in. 55. Ooh, 55 points. And Google. 57. 57. That's right. So Google. Oh, so you feel like Google won? I do. I do feel like Google won. I'm thinking statistical margin of error means that it's it's a tie. Basically, I, I I think that my my bets on Google uh-huh. taking this one uh, long term, them buying Nest, I think really tells you something innovative and their focus on innovation in expanding their services, I think will be the object that takes it over to the finish line with them. We'll see. And Apple. So Apple, when they come out with their wearable, it's going to change everything. Everything. The whole world will change. It, yes. In fact, But Apple's wearable will really mainstream wearables in a way that hasn't happened yet. And just as a side note along those lines, there are rumors about Apple coming out with a health book. And I think that's another interesting way to move into the Internet of Things. Yeah, I can't wait. 
Uh, Google tried their Google Health, and I do not think it was particularly successful. No, and I used it. And that's a really annoying thing about Google is their semi-untrustworthiness when it comes to maintaining services that you depend on, like Google Health and Google Reader. So maybe Apple's quality will supersede Google's extensive ability to create services. You feel like when Apple makes a bet, they're serious. I mean, they have products that fail. That's okay. But, you know, I have no doubt there's going to be an iPad in five years, right? You just know that when they come out with a product, it's it there. Come. Yeah, it's it's not going to go away unless it's really a real, real failure. Unless it's a map. <laughs> but Apple Maps is going to kick ass in three years because they're not just going to give up on it. Well, we'll see. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I feel. I feel like with Google, the services are really, there's a danger in, in adopting Google services and really basing your life on them sometimes. I don't know. I think I think when they see a gap in the marketplace, like they saw with Google Maps, I think they looked at what is the best way to actually build a mapping service, a navigation service. And they came up with an incredibly innovative idea, which was let's go actually make the maps. And I thought that shows a certain level of ingenuity that Apple hasn't shown in that respect. And then Google buying ways to further enhance their mapping capability to give it that extra traffic sense. I mean, they they definitely know where they fall short or where they have opportunities for improvement. And I think in certain realms, they have Apple beat. Oh, for sure. I agree with you completely. It's just that Google has so many services. They have so many things on their plate. Their services are admirable, but it's just that it's, it's hard to know what's going to actually survive long term. And if Apple puts its mind to it, uh, but that's the thing. Do we actually know that Apple has blatantly put its mind to the Internet of Things or are we still in speculation mode? Oh, we're clearly still in speculation mode. But I, I think that in retrospect, we can look at things like the iPod Nano and see that Apple had a wearable use in mind for that, whether it was strapped to the arm, whether it came in a wristband. Uh, the form factor of its small devices are baby steps on the way to the Internet of Things. If you look at things like iBeacon, it's clear that those are additional steps toward that space. So it is speculation in one sense, in the sense that we don't know exactly what form factor they might choose. But it's not speculation in the sense that they make amazing consumer products and there's a lot of interest in this space. And there's a lot of interest in health and how to integrate that with Apple devices. So I think Apple sees this and I think it's going to lead to a pretty natural conclusion. Well, I guess we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, if you're uh, siding with Google on my side or if you're on Charles' side with Apple. Wait, when did I get on the other side of you? Oh. All right. So thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Far Stuff, the Internet of Things podcast. You can find us on the internet at farstuff.com and at farstuff on Twitter. Get in touch with us using the contact form at farstuff.com or email us at podcast at farstuff.com. And this brings us to the end of our thing. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Don't put that as an Easter egg. <laughs> I won't. I took a lot of good stuff out. Like, <laughs> I, I took out your mention of porn. Good. I appreciate that. To support the proper proliferation. To support the proper proliferation. Ah. You can rephrase it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs>